Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you can get in touch with us. And guys, I have to tell you, make sure that you listen to our weekly show. It's Wannabet Weekend Edition every single Sunday morning on over 100 stations across America. You want to get in touch with us and check out more of what we're doing at sportsgarten.com. Again, G-A-R-T-E-N. Well, I know, look, I know we're all excited about the trading deadline in Major League Baseball, and the, the dust has sort of settled down, and there, everyone's going to be talking about reactions, and it's been Soto, 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 and, and all of that that's going on in Major League Baseball. But funny thing happened on the way to the baseball diamond, and that is training camp has opened up for all of these NFL teams. We're actually into training camp now. We're sitting here. You know, we're into August, and it's early August. I, I always like to do this kind of show. In early August, I like to kind of take an assessment from a sports betting perspective of what the market looks like today and then what the market is going to look like when we sit back and we're sitting there that Thursday and, and even that Saturday or Sunday morning, and all of a sudden it's opening day. How much has things changed over the course of the next month? Because in the next month, you're going to hear a lot of, the guy's in the best shape of his career. Oh, he's in the best shape of his life. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of beat reporters who pump up players. A lot of big-time guys are going to be, oh, this guy's going to be amazing. And look, I can't blame the beat reporters. If you're watching only really one team up close and personal day after day after day, you start to get a different kind of feel for them. Um, yes, it's in pads. Yeah, sometimes it's in shorts, whatever it may be you're going to be more blown away because you're connected to the team. I mean, look, most of us out there, we have watched uh, Pee Wee League football or Little League baseball or whatever. And you kind of, look, you, you watch it and you go, I know who the best player out there is. I know who the best 8-year-old, 9-year-old kid is out there. And you're watching him and you go, man, oh, man, he's good. Oh, he's really good. You get kind of sucked into the idea of, oh, wow, how great is this kid? And then, you know, he goes to, like, the All-Star game or a travel league. And, all right, he's still good, but he's just he's not that good. Okay, well, that happens to them. Uh, you get sucked into the moment. You get sucked into the atmosphere, into the emotion. And this is not to disparage the beat writers, but this is what you hear. There's also something with the enthusiastic mindset. Uh, you know, if you see a player being upbeat, being enthusiastic, looking really good, and then he tells you how great he feels, it almost rubs off on you, especially if the coaches are doing it and other players, the fans around you. So 
I like to kind of shut everything out. And I'm telling you, I shut everything out even in the preseason. Now, I'll watch. I'll pay attention. I'll take notice of certain guys going down, getting injured, and all that. But overall, as a sports better, this is the time to kind of turn off your brain. You don't want to sit back and make the mistakes because of what is happening during training camp. But with that being said, as a sports better, you also don't want to sit back and only remember what happened last year because, as we know, the turnover is just massive from year to year. So you got to watch some key players, key positions, key situations. I know Josh Allen will be fine. I know Patrick Mahomes is going to be fine. I don't have to watch them. But I do want to see how you know some guys incorporate. So what I want to do today is I want to go through every single team and I want to go and ask kind of what is the question that is coming out of training camp? What should I be watching for every team in training camp? And make sure that you're taking this with a grain of salt. If I tell you, well, you know what? The the Jets are looking great. That doesn't mean to go run to the window and pay for the Jets to win the Super Bowl, okay? It's just questions for each team. So we'll start at the top. We'll start at the AFC East. And we'll start at the Bills. Look, I think that the Bills are pretty well established as what they are. They are the Super Bowl favorites. We know that. Josh Allen is the super, the MVP favorite. We know that. Stephon Diggs, absolutely fantastic. You got Singletary. James Cook is now there. I think Gabriel Davis will step up. They brought in O.J. Howard to compete with Knox. So there's not a lot of question marks. I mean, I guess you could kind of nitpick and say, well, is Gabriel Davis going to be the guy you know, is he, um, you know, the, the guy to kind of bring in? Is he going to be able to step up? All right, th- those are very minor questions because if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. They'll still be effective. I think that the big question is what kind of impact Von Miller is going to have on this team. Now, we know how good the secondary is. The secondary pro football focus is basically ranked the top two guys in the secondary, both safeties inside their top 10. But Von Miller he has this ability to step it up when time counts. And he really did take the teams that he's been on and make everybody around him better. I wonder what kind of impact Von Miller's going to have, and that's going to be an interesting thing to watch during training camp. Are they only using him on situational downs? Buffalo likes to switch up the defense a lot. Are they only using him as a pass rusher? Is he going to be in there at different times? So that's the question for the Bills. The Dolphins... You know, you look at the Dolphins, and it's good. the obvious question is about Tua. It's going to be all about Tua. It's going to be, you know, will Tua be able to effectively move this? Can Tua do this? What is the deal with Tua? It's going to be all Tua all the time. But that's not my question. My question is, what does Jalen Waddell and Mike Gazeki become here? Because I know that Tyreek Hill is going to take a large share, lots of targets. But Jalen Waddle looked like the world beater last year. Mike Gizeki looks like he could take another step up. He looks like he could be that next guy. And you look at that and you go, well, what what kind of impact is Hill going to have? We all think it's going to be this massive, overly great impact. And I think that Hill will have that on the offense as a whole. But will he stunt the growth of a guy like a Waddle? Will he stunt the growth of a guy like Gazeki? You also have to ask the question about the running backs. Obviously, that's an obvious question. Look, two is the number one question. There's a lot of questions on this offense. But the running back, I'm not that worried about because they're going to find their running back. So training camp, does it really matter to me if Mostert or Edwards come out of this? No, I, it doesn't. Look, it doesn't matter to me one or the other. If you're a fantasy player, it certainly matters. But one or the other will come out. I wonder... The overall growth. Hill will be fine. Will he stunt the growth of the offense or will he propel it to be even better than it is? How about the New York Jets? 
Um, you look at what they've added, right? They've added Elijah Moore. They've added, you know, they've had Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall comes in. Michael Carter's pretty good. They're going to have some offensive weapons, but the guy behind the center, uh, that's what it all it's all about. Can Zach Wilson start to become the, the next guy? I, I mean, that that's really what it is. Can Wilson be that guy? Because Zach Wilson right now has a lot of potential. Zach Wilson right now has shown flashes. We like what Zach Wilson's done, but Zach Wilson right now has more on his shoulders than he's ever had, and he's starting to get some weapons. Now, I, look, these are not household names, but the New York Jets are also looking at him saying, hey, look, we handed you these weapons. We gave you these weapons. So it's all about Zach Wilson for me. I don't know how good the defense is going to be, but I kind of believe in Salah will get the most out of that defense. And I'm not sure about these weapons because I'm not sure about Wilson. So it's sort of tied into each other. Let's go to the Patriots. Patriots, the defense, I'm not worried about. Bill Belichick, I'm not worried about. Mac, uh, look, Mac Jones is going to be a question mark overall for sure. I think that the real question, and I, and I like the Harris and Stevenson combo coming out of the backfield. I do like that a lot. So I think the real question here when you're really turning around and you're, you're, you're kind of going through all this, the real question for me, guys, it, it's not necessarily Mac Jones. It It's what about, really, what, what about the pass catchers? I, I like Devontae Parker. And I think he's very talented, but they just haven't had those pass catchers. We thought last year, okay, they're bringing in two tight ends. Are they going to go two tight end sets? Mm, that didn't really work out. Jonathan Smith didn't, didn't look very good. Uh, they weren't able to get anything out of Harry. They, they were not able to do things. And look, Bill Belichick's entire tenure is not able to do things really with anybody outside of a, a Randy Moss or a slot receiver. So can they get something out? Is Dante Parker or Devontae Parker just going to be that slot receiver? They've got to be able to get somebody to step up third and six, third and seven that they feel comfortable going to all the time and he's going to convert. And I just don't see that on this roster yet. That's a big question mark. All right, let's go to the North the Ravens, I think it's all about health. I think it's all about J.K. Dobbins and Edwards. Who's going to lead that backfield in rushing because of the health factor? And I, I do think that the health factor is absolutely massive here. To me, you look at the Ravens and you see how banged up they were last year. We could talk about the Lamar Jackson contract situation. Of course, that's lingering, but it's going to be about health. How healthy are they? How can they integrate into this? When will Dobbins come back? When Dobbins does come back, how effective will he be? How will they use Edwards in this? Look, it's a running offense. They need their runners. I think Dobbins is very, very good, and I love his enthusiasm. Really take it to Twitter and say, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be the guy. Uh, but I do have concerns about a guy coming off that kind of injury who's already, by the way, on the pup list. The Bengals, you know, this is a weird situation because all the accolades are on Joe Burrow. Everything's on Joe Burrow and Chase and what they've done and Higgins. But let's be honest, the Bengals overall are a running team. Joe Mixon is a running, uh, you know, the run first three down back that we just don't see. This is a Joe Burrow-led team. That uh, look, they he averaged thirty-five and a half passing <laughs> plays per game in four playoff games, which is not even that great. And that was an uptick from where they were. Are they going to be allowed to unleash Joe Burrow? Is the question. I think the defense is good enough. I do like Bates, and you have to keep an eye on Bates in camp. Will he be there, and how effective will he be? Because he is a, a, an absolute stud when he's back there. That's a question mark. But I think overall, the Bengals, are they going to go and start to become this passing team? Are they going to let Joe Burrow open it up? 
The Browns, why do I even have to go here? Look, it's all about Deshaun Watson, who's going to start, what that situation is. I know they brought in Amari Cooper, and they're still a run-first offense with Nick Chubb. We know, you know what they want to do. It's just... Uh, you know, look, it's all about Deshaun Watson. What is the question mark? How long will he be out? When he comes back, will he be effective? All of these are everything that the Browns have invested in. And they invested $200 million plus into these questions. How about the Steelers? Again, it's the starting quarterback position. I know the defense is going to be set. I know that the defense will be perfectly fine. I have no worries there at all. It's the starting quarterback. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Trubinsky? Can it be Trubinsky? Can it be Pickett? Well, are they going to be able to effectively manipulate this offense to, I don't want to say a passing offense, but a lot better than what they've had? Or are they just going to ride Harris kind of into the ground? That that certainly can be the case here, guys, that Harris is kind of just ridden into the ground. You don't want it to be the case, but it certainly can be. Let's go to the Titans where the defense has looked a lot better. And Mike Vrabel has won 30 games, basically uh, 10 games a year over the last three years. Ryan Tannehill is what we know that he is, but they do lose A.J. Brown. So it all goes back to Derrick Henry. Yeah, I know they brought in, you know, Robert Woods and Traylon Burks. And no, no, no. It's all about Derrick Henry because when we start to get into an age 28 season, with the amount of carries that he has under his belt, you have got to start asking when fatigue will set in. When will he start to kind of not be as effective? It's all about Derrick. If Derrick Henry comes back and he doesn't miss a beat, they are in perfect position to sit back and win this division yet again. Derrick Henry's that good. He's that dynamic. He can be an MVP candidate, sure. But I worry about someone coming off of that injury with the injury history that that injury entails. I worry about somebody even as big as Derrick Henry with all those carries anyway. And at the age that he's at, look, he carried the ball a lot in Alabama. And I know he split time. He's also not an elusive runner, really. I mean, Derrick Henry is somebody that plows you over, takes a toll on the body. If Derrick Henry is anything less than like 90%, this team's not going to do much this year. The Jaguars... What I'm watching is all about the coaching change. Now, I know you could add Christian Kirch and, and Evan Ingram, who's already got the drops by now. I like Brandon Sheriff coming in. I like Travis Etienne being healthy. James Robinson looks like he avoided the pup list. He's going to be healthy. Uh, I like everything. But Trevor Lawrence was a generational talent, and Trevor Lawrence got maybe the worst coaching staff potentially in the history of football. I mean, really, I'm not overshooting it there. How much of that was the bad coaching, or how much of that was that Trevor Lawrence had some problems. I'm looking at how the coaching staff uses everybody, not just Trevor Lawrence, but how it will effectively move and move the needle on Trevor Lawrence. When I sat here last year, 365 days ago, I had Trevor Lawrence to win the Rookie of the Year, hands down, without a question. He was the most talented quarterback that I've seen coming out of college since Andrew Luck. I was all over it. How can I be that off of it when you had a terrible coaching staff, bad history. Uh, he's kicking punters. I mean, or kicking kickers. <laughs> really, I, I just can't go near it. So I'm watching the coaching staff. What kind of culture can they change there? How about the Colts? Look, the Colts is basically, I, I know that Matt Ryan will be okay. I know Jonathan Taylor will be fine. I know that Michael Pittman will be good. Who else is on this team? I, I mean, who else is there? Naeem Hines, I guess, can be an attribute. But basically... They're just lacking 
that punch they're lacking that somebody else and somebody else does have to step up. It could be a tight end. It might be Hines. It might be that secondary wide receiver. I'm watching camp to see if somebody can step up. And if I feel like somebody can step up in that offense, the Colts are very likely to be a team that I'm going to be higher on than most people. And I can see them winning the division because I do have my concerns about Henry, which we talked about. Let's talk about the Texans. Uh, the Texans, look, I, I don't even know who the starting quarterback is right now. Uh, you think that it's, uh, you know, the the long-necked one, right? I mean, you think that that's what it's going to be with Davis Mills, but we're not sure if that's 100%. They, they are not positive that Davis Mills is going to be the guy because they're looking elsewhere. Uh, maybe it's Garoppolo by the time you guys hear this. I, I'm not sure, but the offense is just weak. I do like Nico Collins. John Mechie is now down. Uh, he's expected to miss the entire season. Marlon Mack is your running back. Brandon Cooper, uh, Braden Cooks, I mean, is going to be solid. But everybody else, oh, lots of question marks there. All right, let's go to the West. And the new team in the West, is, they have a new quarterback, and that's Russell Wilson. But I don't have questions about Russell Wilson. I don't. I don't have questions about this defense, which, by the way, maybe the best cornerback in the league. I don't have questions there. I don't have questions about their wide receiver core with Sutton and Patrick and Judy. I certainly don't have questions about their running backs. I love Javante Williams, and I think Melvin Gordon is a fantastic compliment. Even Albert O. I, I don't mind him. So I think they have all the weapons on offense. Their defense is good. So what is the question mark? The question mark is the coaching. I mean, you, you you put together this kind of team, a lot of turnover, which I normally don't like a lot of turnover, but you put together this kind of team with a ton of turnover, and then you hand it to a coach who's never had, been a head coach before. You hand it to a coaching staff that is very, very new, and you put them in a division that is just absolutely dynamic. So it's all about the coaching staff for me. I want to see, here we go, how is this coaching staff going to utilize things and how quickly can they incorporate? I hear that they're going to a fast-paced offense. They want to uptick this. They were 27th in pace of play last year. So, yeah, Russell Wilson can do that. And I expect the Broncos to be very exciting. Uh, but coaching means something, and I have not seen anything from this coach on a head coaching level, neither has anybody else. What about the Chiefs? You know, they lose Tyreek Hill, and I've heard two things. I've heard, oh, Ty Tyreek is the biggest playmaker in the league. Oh, my God, he's the biggest difference maker. Tyreek is fantastic. Oh, man, Tyreek is everything. I've heard all the conversation about how great Tyreek is, all the conversation about Tyreek Hill all, all day long. And then I've heard other rival general managers and coaches say, you know, he's still a wide receiver. Like, at the end of the day, he's still a wide receiver. Um, you can replace him somewhat. Juju came in. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling came in. Sky Moore is there. Mikol Hardman has the speed. Uh, you know, I think the bigger question here, and I know that that's obviously going to be a, a big question, but I think the bigger question here for me is, is Travis Kelsey going to be able to play at this level? We've never seen a tight end that was over the age of 32 score uh, 1,000 yards and, and, and 10 touchdowns. It's just never happened. Um, Travis Kelsey is a, a big dude. He's going to have a big market share. You expect him not to fall off the cliff, but we've seen it happen before. All you have to do is look at uh, you know a guy like Jimmy Graham, who was at the top of the world and basically just fell off. I wonder if Travis Kelsey can keep this up. If Kelsey can keep up the production, yes, I think that they can limit what happens with Hill and the damage that Hill will do by leaving. But Kelsey has to be there, and Kelsey is the most important player on this team outside of Patrick Mahomes. How about the Raiders? You know, look, everyone's questioning the Derek Carr to Devontae Adams thing. I think it'll be perfectly fine. I'm not even worried about Waller and Renfro getting their targets. They will. I worry about the running back situation because I don't know who's going to carry the load here. It looks like it's Jacobs. Then they bring in Drake. Then they have a—I mean, they, they have options, sure, 
But who's going to really run away with the job? I'm still in the belief, and I know we're in a different era here, but I'm still in the belief that you have got to have the established running back that if you need yards, he can get you yards. At the end of the game, if you need him to close out the game, he can close out the game. And I don't know if the Raiders have that. Now, I do have some question marks with their secondary as well, and I think their secondary is something to watch. But that's not an answer I'll get until during the season. Training camp answer, let me see the running backs. Even if, even if these guys don't win the job, I want to see how effective they can be as the year goes on. Finally, it's the Chargers, and, and you really look at the Chargers and you go, can they avoid being the Chargers? Every single year, it seems like they have everything in place, going back to the Lindanian Tomlinson years with Phillip Rivers. They have everything in place. This year, the same thing. Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, new offensive line, which is fantastic. You add guys uh, like an Isaiah Spiller, absolutely fantastic, Gerald Everett. Uh, you got to love the offense. Their defense, how much better can it get? They added Khalil Mack, Derwin James is healthy, both is there. I like everything about the Chargers team, and I'm telling you now, if the Chargers were not the Chargers with the history of the Chargers, I'd be picking them to win the Super Bowl. That's how much I like this Chargers team. That's how much talent I like on this team, because this team is massively talent. But I will tell you this. History tells us that every single year, the Chargers are talented, and something happens, whether it be injuries in the preseason, which we've seen all the time, or coaching problems or issues. The Chargers are a team that I'd love to back. And on paper, it looks like everything's going well. I'm watching their training camp. If they can have a training camp, which they just never do, but if they can have a training camp where they come out of training camp with the same kind of enthusiasm, everyone's healthy. The talent is still there. Uh, Herbert looks crisp. Allen is perfectly fine with sharing time with Mike Williams. Eckler doesn't mind taking some of the load off and you know giving it to maybe a guy like Spiller. Mack incorporates really well into the defense. Derwin James looks as explosive as he did. If all of these things happen, then yeah, the Chargers right now, uh, they, they could win the Super Bowl. I mean, they really could. They have that sort of talent level. The problem is, like I said, we've been saying it for now. I don't even want to say a decade. I feel like we've been saying it for like two decades, maybe three decades with the Chargers. It seems like every year the Chargers are in a great position. Every year the Chargers are absolutely talented, absolutely loaded. On paper, they look great. And then something happens during training camp. So if you're a Charger fan, what I'm looking at here during training camp is just get out healthy. Just just get out healthy, get out fine. The talent level is there. Now, they're in a tough division, I get it. But that tough division also has a lot of question marks, like we said. So that is the AFC, guys. I want to take a quick time out here before we get into the NFC. The AFC has a lot of question marks. It has a lot of question marks about teams that are fighting for divisions. And we know that in the AFC, a lot of these teams that are very good are going to be left out. They're going to be teams left out of the playoff race just because of how good the AFC is. The NFC, meanwhile, very, very different. The NFC on the other side, on the flip side, you're going to have mediocre teams where if some of these question marks are answered, they're going to slip into the playoffs because the NFC is very, very top-heavy, and then it falls off, which we'll get to. So pay attention on the next segment if you're an NFC fan, especially if you're a sports betting fan, about those plus-money playoff teams because if you get a couple of right answers, you could get some plus-money for playoff teams. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this right here on Wagering Week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, we're always talking about all the good things that could happen in the NFL and training camp. Everybody is very, very excited about their teams. Well, I have some odds for things that are bad that can happen. How about most regular season interceptions thrown? Well, Zach Wilson leading the way at 8-1 to one odds. Davis Mills at 9-1. to one. Trevor Lawrence is 10-1. to one. Justin Fields is 10-1. to one. Matthew Stafford, 14-1. to one. Jameis Winston, 14-1. to one. Tua is 16 to 1, along with Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield are 18 to 1. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, all 20 to 1. Daniel Jones is 22 to 1. Tom Brady, 25 to 1. Kyler Murray, 25 to 1, along with Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubinsky, all 25 to 1. 30 to 1, you're getting into the Patrick Mahomes, Trey Lance, Kirk Cousins area. Matt Ryan's 40 to 1 along with Jalen Hurts. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, 50 to 1. Deshaun Watson's 50 to 1. Kenny Pickett, 50 to 1. Jimmy Garoppolo, 66 to 1. And Russell Wilson, 80 to 1. That is what are the odds? Yeah, kind of interesting. Because, you know, interceptions are interesting to make a, a pick with because if you think a guy stinks and he's going to throw a lot of interceptions, well, there's a chance he could lose his job, right? I mean, th- there's a chance that they could just pull him. So it's kind of difficult to pick this most interceptions. Like Daniel Jones would be a decent pick at 22 to 1 odds, but I don't know if they last with him if he's leading the league in interceptions. Sam Darnold weirdly has 20 to 1 odds, which he's not even going to start. Baker Mayfield has 18 to 1. How do you take one of them? You know, if Mayfield's throwing interceptions and Darnold's going to go in, so I, you can't do that. Mac Jones doesn't throw enough for it. Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw enough. Tua makes a lot of sense because I don't think they're going to pull him. Two at 16 to 1 makes it. Obviously, Winston, it should be the odds on favorite. Justin Fields, I don't know if he's going to throw enough. Trevor Lawrence, okay. I could see that because they won't bench him. Davis Mills may not even have a job. Zach Wilson, 8 to 1. Yeah, again, Wilson and Lawrence make sense because they're not going to bench him. Tua and Winston, to me, make a lot of sense as well. Those are two guys that you go out there and you go, yeah, yeah, I could see both of those, both of those guys throwing a bunch and being able to retain their jobs, which is really the the big thing here, right? You got to be able to retain that job. All right, let's go to the NFC now. Some camp questions for all of the NFC teams. We'll start with the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys, look, it is just where they're going to get their offensive production from. If you have C.D. Lamb, obviously, um, and you have Dalton Schultz, they are losing a lot. They lost Michael Gallup. They lost uh, Amari Cooper. They lost a ton from a group that was used to just having just a ton of secondary guys. And really, C.D. Lamb was a secondary guy. C.D. Lamb is now going to be asked to be the number one, but who's going to step up into that number two role? Is Dalton Schultz, is it going to be an offense almost Kansas City-like where it's one wide receiver and wide, one tight end? I do think Elliott and Pollard can become a question mark, but really for Dallas, it is about 
Who is going to step up and be that guy, that guy that they can say, okay, you're going to be the number two in this offense. This is who you're going to kind of uh, you know, be able to grasp onto. Okay, that's that's the Dallas question mark, which, by the way, is one of the bigger question marks in camp, who is going to come out as that number two receiving option. Uh, it, look, it, they might do it internally. They, Like I said, they might do Schultz. It may just turn around and be an Ezekiel Elliott kind of thing out of the backfield. Maybe that's where the direction they, they go in. Philadelphia Eagles, can it all come together? I, I mean, that's what it is. Jalen Hurts, I don't think he's as good as people are kind of pushing him up, but he's got all the weapons now. A.J. Brown comes over. Dallas got it. It's about that time. Miles Sanders, can you take a step up? Kenneth Gainwell, okay. The Philadelphia Eagles offense, what about their defense? It's all a question of can it come together. I think the Philadelphia Eagles, and I've made this very known, I think they win the division. I think that Philadelphia's talent level is absolutely fantastic. I think that Philadelphia is a deep sleeper for a Super Bowl run. I think that Philadelphia is certainly a team that can do this all. But it's all, can it come together? It's not just really one question. I want to see the camaraderie on the team. I saw, uh, you know, Kelsey was out there with a big bubble helmet. And they were laughing. I want to see that. I want to see the laugh and the joke and the, the, the looseness, uh, the, the having fun. I, I, I want to see that because I don't think it takes a lot to win this NFC East. But you've got to have team chemistry. And the team chemistry right now is something that really has to come together. Early reports looking pretty good. The Washington Commanders are an interesting team because some people have them winning the division. Some people have them in dead last. Now, last year, I was all over this team. I like them. I have no question about the coach. I don't even really question Carson Wentz that much. I think he's going to be effective. I know that there are some question marks in the backfield. Is it going to be Gibson's show or is it going to be, uh, you know, one of the young guys where McKissick is going to take a large share away? I do like the McLaren factor. I like the defense. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to like about this team. Here's my big question. When will Chase Young get get back? I think that this has the potential of being a top 10 defense, potentially even top five. I was all over them last year, but a lot of my analysis relies on Chase Young being one of the best defensive players in the league. He's now out, and they're saying he may miss regular season games. Does that mean he misses, you know, Lions, Jaguars, and the first one or two? All right, you can live with that. Does... Chase Young being out mean he's going to miss the first month or so of the season? Ah, now all of a sudden I'm starting to get a little question mark. When he comes back, is he going to be able to hit the ground running and be the old Chase Young of two years ago, not even just last year? Because last year he took a step back. So Chase Young to me is the big question mark here. What about the New York Giants? Uh, you know, you could have a lot of question marks about the way that the Giants are being constructed, the, the wide receivers, which one of them are going to step up. Uh, is Saquon Barkley going to be healthy? I think that's going to be the big question. But look, it's all about Daniel Jones, right? I mean, I don't know if Daniel Jones is the answer. I tend to think he isn't. I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to make it to week 8 or 10. I tend to think he probably doesn't. I don't know if Andrew, uh, Daniel Jones is the guy, and I don't know if the Giants think that he's the guy. So that right there is the big question in camp because the Giants themselves are questioning who Daniel Jones is. Let's go to the NFC North. Green Bay Packers, well, it's simple. Can Aaron Rodgers create another wide receiver? Can he create something that Devontae Adams took out the door with him? Because right now, Aaron Rodgers' receiving weapons are very, very thin. You know, you've got two good running backs, very good running backs, in Jones and Dillon. But Aaron Rodgers needs something. He even joked around in camp early on saying, oh, Alan Lazard, the next Hall of Famer, kind of ha-ha-ha, poking fun at Devontae. Aaron Rodgers is a hard guy to get along with anyway. But when they're losing and when it's guys dropping balls or running wrong routes, he will be an absolute team destroyer. 
And I worry if the team will destroy itself and kind of eat itself here because they're just not that talented. And Aaron Rodgers is going to feel that untalented core drop balls, run wrong routes, overrun balls. It's going to be frustrating for Rodgers. And Rodgers, on a frustration level, is just not a good thing. How about the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, this is to me is just what is the new coaching staff going to do? Everything's in place for Minnesota to really, really excel this year. Their defense, they're getting some of their defensive guys back. Dalvin Cook looks good and healthy. You do have Justin Jefferson healthy. Kirk Cousins is back. Irv Smith is back healthy. Their offense is going to be fine. Their defense is stepping up a little bit. I'm telling you, you know, you look at this Minnesota team and it looks like it's stepping up and it looks like it's going to be pretty good right now. I just worry about a coaching staff. Again, a brand new coaching staff is something I need to see. I need to see what kind of tempo they're going to go with. Are they going to really target Jefferson the way that almost Cooper Cup was targeted last year? Are they going to kind of fully get away from the running game in the Dalvin Cook situation and go to a more traditional? Or do they keep some of the run-first mentality? All question marks. What about the Detroit Lions? Detroit, it's about Jared Goff. Look, I think that Swift and Atkinson are some good pieces there. I like Sewell on the front line. I like their defense starting to come together. Detroit's a long way off from being a competitor, but they showed competitiveness last year. Dan Campbell is weirdly not a question mark for me. I know that this team will play for him, but I think that the question mark is, can Jared Goff play for Dan Campbell? Can Jared Goff elevate anybody on this team, including himself, that is a big question mark. Jared Goff is a guy I've never really believed in. I didn't believe him coming out of college. I didn't believe him after the Rams. I didn't believe him after he went to the Super Bowl. I didn't believe in him, and I still don't. I don't know if he's going to be able to elevate this team, and a lot of question marks are going to be, okay, are surrounding the offense. But if Jared Goff is perfectly fine, look, I, I like St. Brown. I like Hawkinson. I think he's got some weapons there. I certainly do like Swift. Uh, the Detroit Lions could be a sneaky team here. Chicago Bears, all the questions are Justin Fields. But that's not the question I'm going to ask here in camp because I'm going to watch Justin Fields, and I have watched him throwing a Mooney, throwing to Komet, looking really good. He is a guy that is really effective, and I've talked to Rob Mish about this, uh, our friend from Chicago or writes for Chicago. Uh, you know, I've talked to him about the really play action being just enormous. And I do think that a lot of questions are going to surround Justin Fields and about the play action, and let's see how he does off of that, and let's see his athleticism. That's not what I'm questioning here. What I'm worried about is the defense. Can Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn sign their deal, get into camp, be effective? Because both Roquan Smith and, and Robert Quinn are the defense. If you lose them, Chicago is going to be in shootouts every single week. They're going to be coming from behind where Justin Fields can't use the effective play action because they're going to be running the ball. You've got to sign Robert Quinn. You've got to sign Roquan Smith. And you got to make them happy. So while everybody is pointing to the quarterback, and rightfully so, I, I totally understand it. If everybody is sitting back and pointing to the quarterback, I'm going to sit back and point to the defense. And the defense does, hand-in-hand, well, hand, have something to do with the quarterback. NFC South... The Tampa Bay Bucks, look, they didn't have a lot of questions. And now everyone's going to start talking about the Julio Jones. How can Julio incorporate? Can Julio beat Gronk? Can, uh, that's going to be everything. No, no, no. For me, it's Ryan Jensen. Look, Jensen goes down. It's probably gone for the year, but he's gone for at least a big chunk of the year as this recording. It looks like probably the entire season. That's a huge hole. Tom Brady is ageless. We get it. He's 152 years old. But... He's 152 years old because he's always gotten pretty good protection, and he knows how to work around his bad protection. Well, when things break down, Tom Brady's going to get hit a little bit more this year, and Ryan Jensen being out really exasperates that. I know that Godwin is a question mark. I know that Julio Jones is going to be the fun talking point, but Ryan Jensen being 
out and hurt is the real question here. I want to see how they're going to be able to fill in for him, how they're going to be able to take a talent and a positional talent like that and be able to kind of just mask it and not have everybody attacking Brady strictly at that position and that backup. New Orleans, it's a new regime, but this is all about Winston, isn't it? I mean, the defense we know is going to be fine. And Michael Thomas, ah, okay, he's a question mark. Can Kamara wake, work into this thing? No, it's all about Winston. Can Jameis Winston elevate the level that we have seen sparks of? And that's what we've seen is sparks of Jameis Winston being very effective in this league. We've seen sparks of him. You can find Jameis Winston on the MVP uh, you know, blotter here and people going, ah, taking a shot on him for the MVP. And But as you saw, I kind of like him to lead the league in, in interceptions. So there's a, a lot of differing opinions about Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston's going to throw a lot. I think Jameis Winston's going to make a lot of bad reads. But Jameis Winston does have the talent to take this team to the playoffs. Carolina, we're all going to talk about Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield makes the most sense. What about the quarterback position? Look, they could be they could tell us as a battle. It's going to be Baker Mayfield's job. I'm not worried about that at all. It's perfectly fine. You look at Baker Mayfield, and you look at the situation that he's in, and you look at who the, he is. I'm not overly questioning that. I'm really not. Uh, even his receiving core, I'm not questioning it. What I'm questioning is Christian McCaffrey. Can he stay healthy? I, I need to see not only can he stay healthy, but is Carolina willing to basically just give him the full workload that they've given him in the past, knowing if he goes down, the offense is as shot and done as it is. I think Christian McCaffrey being healthy really is everything for this team. Carolina is a team that I've said it now for a little while, and you can look at Matt Rule and who he is, but I've said it for a little while about the Carolina Panthers, that I do believe that Carolina can be a playoff team. I do believe that Carolina is on the borderline of being a an up-and-coming playoff team, but they needed some efficiency, and one of the things that they needed was efficiency from the running back position, from their best player, their best offensive player, one of the best offensive players in the league. He's got to stay on the field. And the big question is going to be about Baker Mayfield, but I'm watching Christian McCaffrey very, very carefully, not only to see if he could stay on the field, but see how they effectively use him. Do they lighten his workload? Do they not throw it to him out of the backfield as much? Do they not run him over the middle as much? Uh, they need him to be exactly what he's going to be um, when he's healthy, but they need him healthy for that. All right, let's go to the NFC West. The Rams, they don't have a lot of question marks. I mean, they really, really don't. Everything fell right for the Rams. They have their quarterback in place without a problem. They have their running backs. I know that they have some question marks on Akers or Henderson, but they'll figure that out. I think both are going to be perfectly fine. Their wide receivers are obviously perfectly fine. They're very much in place. Uh, you lose Odell Beckham, but Allen Robinson comes into the fray. Their defense is really set. So where is the really the, the real question mark? <laughs> Look, guys, it's the same question mark that you could ask every single year with Super Bowl champions. Uh, where is the fall off? You know, where is the fall off? You start to look at, and it's so hard for us to go back and look year by year and think, wow, you know what? Oh, that team was going to be amazing. Just a couple of years ago, how many Super Bowls would Patrick Mahomes win? How many in a row would he win? Well, it's one in a row, <laughs> right? I mean, it's one in a row. You start to look back and you go, Super Bowl champions, Rams, Bucks, Chiefs, Patriots, Eagles, or Patriots, Denver, Patriots, Seattle, Baltimore, Giants, Green Bay, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Giants, Indy, Pittsburgh. You got to go back to 2004, 2005 for New England, and you got to really go back and say, if you take out the Patriots, who are just doing ridiculous things, if you take out the Patriots, Go look at the past 15 years, almost 20 years, almost 20 years. You don't really even have a repeat performer 
getting there. I mean, a couple of times, you know, look, Seattle got there a few times, you know, and the Rams, even though it was completely different, a four-year difference, um, it's hard to get back to, to the, the top of the mountain. It's hard to get back and stay focused to get back to the top of the mountain. So I'm not worried about personnel. I'm not worried about their coaching staff. I'm worried about their focus and their focus of they did lose a guy like Odell Beckham, who everybody liked on the team. They did lose Avon Miller. I think they'll get past that. It's their focus. And I think that their focus and their lack of focus, look, we've seen it happen to every Super Bowl team. So that's their question there. Uh, one of the more interesting storylines of the year is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. What are they doing in Seattle? Right? I, I mean, look, you know, Chris Carson retired, so they're going to go to a running attack with Rashad Penny uh, and Walker. We get that, but they have no quarterback. Is it Locke? Is it Geno Smith? We don't know. What is their future quarterback? No one knows. Now, they did sign DK Metcalf, which I think answers a massive, massive question in camp because was he going to be unhappy? Were they going to trade him? Um, and everyone's going to look at the offense of no quarterback. And obviously, the quarterback position is something we all, as sports betters, have to watch. We've got to pay attention to that. That's going to be the biggest thing. Let's pay attention to their quarterback situation, certainly, 100%. But I absolutely think that the defense losing all of that the defense lost is really a question mark that nobody's paying attention to. There's two starting linebackers, which were both Pro Bowl caliber guys last year, were Bobby Wagner, who is out of town, now playing on the Rams, and K.J. Wright, who retired about a week before training camp. That were your, that, those were your middle linebackers that were, let's just be honest, Pro Bowl caliber linebackers. So we could sit back and say Seattle's going to have problems offensively. Seattle, what's the quarterback situation? Is Seattle going to go to a running attack? Are they going to split carries between Penny and Walker? Is Metcalf and Lockett still going to be able to be a good duo? What is the situation with the offensive line? There's a million offensive questions. But let's not lose focus on the defense because I think the defense was absolutely horrid last year. It was a terrible defense. I think you had decent cornerback play, but terrible defense. You could run on them all day. You could screen pass on them all day. And that was with two Pro Bowl caliber defensive players landing in the middle, especially Bobby Wagner, who I think is a top five defensive player, uh, defensive linebacker in the league right now. I think Bobby Wagner is. So you take that away from a bad defense, an already bad defense. You take KJ Wright away from an already bad defense. I think Seattle and the overs. Oh, man. The team total over against Seattle all the time. The Arizona Cardinals have some interesting questions. Uh, I did my four hours of studying to get ready for this show, and and it, it really is. It's still some questions of what the hell is Arizona doing? I mean, look, you're giving him a big, you give Kyler Murray a huge, huge contract. I get it. But you put in these provisions, and it's weird, and he took you guys off of all his social media accounts earlier, and now there's questions about his work ethic, and now there's questions about his intellect. It, it, there's just a lot of questions at the top about Arizona. Now, you could get into the specifics of saying, you know, well, is Zach Ertz going to be the guy who, who you know, can do you feel comfortable with their running game, and how, how are they going to replace Chandler Jones on the defensive side? There are a lot of X's and O's questions on this team that we can certainly dive into, and DeAndre Hopkins, when he gets back, how is he going to be effective? I mean, there are a lot of questions. You lose Christian Kirk, a lot of X's and O's questions, a lot of turnover questions, lots of that, but I'm really looking at Kyler Murray and just saying it's about you. It is about you know, remember the blow up that he had in a playoff game. Remember him pouting and on the sidelines. And I need to see his maturity level. A lot of the things that went down had to rub him the wrong way as it should rub anybody the wrong way. How is he going to handle that? What's that going to be 
on the sidelines and how is he going to kind of navigate through that because that is a big problem and it really is a massive question going into the season. I don't think anybody could look at Arizona and not find a bunch of questions, but it's at the top. I question Cliff Kingsbury. Why does he fail every year at the end of the year? Why does his team spiral out of control at the end of every season? Cliff Kingsbury is a guy that was handed the reins and handed the golden key, and he's proven almost nothing at this level. Why was he handed that? Can he handle that, continue to move forward, and become a better coach? And then finally, the biggest question to me is the biggest question of the entire offseason. And the entire offseason, the big question is in San Francisco. And it lies with one man. It lies with Trey Lance. They have now made the statement as San Francisco is that they've moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And the questions there are they, they are handing it over. And here you go. It's 100% on Trey Lance. That's what's going on. We're going 100% to Trey Lance. All right, well, here you go. You're going to sink or swim with Trey Lance, a guy that I was very, very high on. And I had FCS guys two years ago, three years ago even, um, talking about his absolute proficiency level uh, when he just went absolutely nuts in his college year. He came back the next season in the shortened season, still looked really good. I thought, you know what? He can be an effective quarterback, but he needs some time. Is one year enough time? Is it enough time? I think he's going to be very athletic. I think he's going to be you know, a guy that relies upon his feet. But this is an offense that Debo Samuel needs to get fed. Uh, George Kittle needs to get fed. Is it going to be Elijah Mitchell back there? Uh, we could all just put our faith in Shanahan and say the guy is a genius. He's going to get everything done. And I have no doubt that Trey Lance is the future. But is the future now? Is the future now for San Francisco? Because if it is, they could be a Super Bowl team. If it's not, they could be an under 500 team. I'm not sure about the, the the San Francisco 49ers' feelings on it. I know they think they got their guy of the future, but is the future now? With that, let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Bet to the future, well, we've been talking about it all day, so let's continue to talk about it, and that is... The Super Bowl. Look, let's talk about the odds as of early August and see where they're going to change before opening kickoff of opening day. The Buffalo Bills are plus 750. Tampa Bay's plus 750. Kansas City's plus 9-1. to Look at the Los Angeles Rams at 11-1. Green Bay's 12-1. San Francisco's 14-1. Cleveland is 18-1 still. The Cowboys, Denver, and the Chargers are all 16-1. Baltimore and Cincinnati are 20-1. 25 to 1 comes Arizona and Indianapolis. Tennessee's 30 to 1, as well as the Saints. You look at the Las Vegas Raiders, New England Patriots, they're 35 to 1. 40 to 1, Minnesota, Philadelphia. 50 to 1, the Dolphins in Washington. 66 to 1, Pittsburgh. 80 to 1, Chicago. 80 to 1, Seattle. 100 to 1, Atlanta, Carolina, Jacksonville, and the Giants. 150 to 1, the Lions, Jets, and 250 to 1, the Houston Texans. That is bet to the future. I mean, look, starting out training camp, you got to ask yourself, what can you see as a sports better? What can you see in training camp between now and opening day that would be able to move some of these odds for you where you find some some value? There's nothing that Houston, the Jets, the Lions, the Giants could do to, to make me move. The Jaguars? No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, the Jaguars are interesting, you know. Because they could look just absolutely on fire with, but but even even so, they're not with the Super Bowl, not in that AFC. Um, Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle, Chicago, no. I'll tell you what. Look, a team that you could really look at and start to sit back and say, yeah, you know that team could really move their odds. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
They are 66 to 1 odds to win it all. This is a team that has never had a losing record with their current coach. They will undoubtedly have a top five, if not number one overall defense in the league. They have a top five running back. They have real good receivers with Deontay Johnson and the new kid coming on in. They have a top wide receiver uh, core. They have a top tight end. It's all about the quarterback. And the reason why Pittsburgh is 66-1, to if they had Ben Roethlisberger, old aging man, you know, couldn't get out of his own way at the end of his career, Ben Roethlisberger, this would be in half. They'd be like 33-1. to They'd be, they'd be like 30-1. to Now, you're telling me Ben Roethlisberger led San, uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wouldn't be in front of, like, the Saints at 30-1? to They might be like 25-1. to So, if I start to see Trubinsky, who, by the way, has taken his team to the playoffs already and, and really should have had a playoff win except for a double doink, or Pickett step up, a guy like Kenny Pickett, where during the year last year we were going, wow, he's the best player in college football. If I start to see one of these two step up during training, I could see the 66-1 to getting into that 40-1 to range. So, yeah, Pittsburgh's one. Washington, I don't think that the Washington commanders could do much. I mean, Carson Wentz isn't going to convince anybody there. Miami, same thing. Miami... Miami get a small uptick if Tua really starts to look like very he's very improved. Philadelphia, I'm surprised, is 40-1. to 1. As Philadelphia, I think they win this division. And it's the same thing with the Vikings. Philly and the Vikings, 40-1 to 1 for both of them. That's, yeah, there's some value there, guys. Philadelphia is a team that I think win the division. You know, if you win the division, remember, when we talk about futures plays, and we're talking about futures plays in August. It's not necessarily about will they win the Super Bowl. It's about can I hedge my bet. If I think that Philly's going to win the division, well, I got them at 40-1. to 1. You know, they're, they're going to host a home game, maybe even get a bye week, but they're going to host a home game. I could, I could hedge all day. It's the same thing with the Vikings. If I think the Vikings have a chance to win that division, and I, and I do think that they have a chance to win that division because I think Rodgers can certainly implode, 40 to 1, those are some good odds. Those are some good Far too often do we look at these odds and we say they have to win. No, they don't have to win. They have to put you in a good position to hedge. Philly and Minnesota put you in a good position to hedge. New England 35 to 1, the Raiders 35 to 1. Nothing could happen in those two cities to make that move. New Orleans, the only thing that could happen is Winston looks bad and they go down. The Titans, the same thing. If Henry comes up lame and Henry doesn't look as explosive, they can only go down. I don't think the Titans are moving up. Indianapolis, 25 to 1. Arizona, 25 to 1. Cincinnati, I'm surprised, is 20 to 1. Uh, there, there may be some value there at 20 to 1. There's certainly value at Baltimore Ravens at 20 to 1. I like them before the year. If they are able to get Lamar Jackson signed, I think 20 to 1 becomes a bargain. With Lamar Jackson not signed, maybe not happy, potentially not in a good spot head-wise, I don't like it. But there, there's some potential between Baltimore and Cincinnati, for sure. Chargers 16-1, to everybody's loving the Chargers 16-1. to Like I said, if they weren't the Chargers, 16-1 <laughs> to would make some sense. Everybody likes Denver at 16-1. to Dallas 16-1. to Cleveland 18-1. to You know, Cleveland's a team that could, we could, these odds could move. If all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson is not going to be at, at all suspended. He's going to be there in week one. Or even if he gets a short suspension. Ah, suspended for three games, four games. You'll see the 18-1 to one fall all the way down to like 14-1. to one. I think he will. But if Deshaun Watson is named, all of a sudden they say, ah, you know what, he's out for the year. Out indefinitely. Deshaun Watson, you're gone for the year. I think that 18-1 to one goes up to 40-1. to one? 
50 to 1? I mean, you know, it'll go absolutely nuts. In that division, it should. San Francisco, 14 to 1. Again, that could move up incrementally with depending on how Trey Lance looks. Green Bay, 12 to 1. Yeah, that's going to always kind of be the same. And the Rams, I'm surprised, are 11 to 1. I think that they could certainly get into single digits. Uh, the Chiefs, 9 to 1. If anything, I think they go down. I don't think anyone's going to look at this Chiefs team and all of a sudden be like, oh, man, you know, they look so great. Well, they're always going to look great. But if all of a sudden Travis Kelsey doesn't look great, that can certainly go down. Tampa Bay plus 750. This is a team that, look, they lost Ryan Jensen. They brought in Julio. I, I don't see much movement there. It's all about Tom Brady. Uh, I'm surprised. That's a, it's a very favorable number for them. And the Buffalo Bills, I don't think really much can happen unless catastrophe hits. But I don't think they're going to be moving up at all. So, you know, for a value-wise, and this is value. Right now, you're asking me who's winning the Super Bowl. I'm saying the Buffalo Bills. Right? You're, you're asking me who the Super Bowl contenders are going to be. Probably Buffalo and the Rams. And that, that's what I'm saying right now, okay? But that's not what we're betting on. We're betting on value. We're betting on a value position where I can go out there and I can hedge my bet. And if we're betting on a value position where I could go hedge my bet, Baltimore makes some sense. If they sign Lamar Jackson, this, this, this is something I'll be in. I told you, I was already in on them after the Super Bowl. I still like Baltimore about 21. Cincinnati, you could sort of convince me. I don't think I'll be putting my money on it, but I can't argue. Minnesota, Philadelphia, and the long shot Pittsburgh Steelers all make a ton of sense to me. Minnesota really, really make... If Minnesota had a coach that wasn't a first-year coach, I'd be all in on them. I think they have everything working right for them right now. But I just don't like to bet on brand new coaches. Philadelphia at 40 to 1. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy to go out there and win a Super Bowl. I don't think I should say that Jalen Hurts is the guy to go out there and win a Super Bowl. I don't think that at all. But I do think they can win the division. If I get a division winner and I have 40 to 1 backing me up, that is a hedging spot that you just pray for. So I kind of like that. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers, I gave you my full analysis. I, I'm already in on Pittsburgh. I will continue to be on, on Pittsburgh. I like the Steelers. Do I think they can win the Super Bowl and cash my 66-1 to ticket? No. Do I think that they can win this division? Yeah, I do. Do I think that they're a team that, if they get into the playoffs, can win a round in the playoffs based on their defense and running game? Yeah, I do. Right? So, I mean, I don't know if I could see an AFC championship game, but I could see them winning a playoff game. And with 66-1 to odds, I kind of just need them in the field. All right, guys, that's our basically our camp preview and what to look for. Next week, I'll be back. When we'll be talking more baseball again and continue to touch on all the key attributes and key elements that is going on. Football's coming fast. It is, it is steamrolling fast. I'm going to try to keep you guys up to date so you don't have to do four hours of studying like Kyler Murray's contract said. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. I'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.